0: Dear Heavenly Father, we come this morning to give you praise, to worship you, to enter into that place of intimacy with you, Lord God. Father, that you would pour into our lives, that you would prepare our hearts this morning to receive everything that you have for us today, Lord God. That you would open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity that you would open our ears to hear your small still voice speaking to our hearts. Heavenly Father, that you would open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us today. That we would walk away changed because we've been in the presence of the almighty God. And Father, we thank you that Jesus came to fix our broken lives and restore us and reach into the broken wounded places of our lives and bring health and healing. And it's done primarily through our relationship with our Heavenly Father, through Christ. So, Lord, we pray this morning that you would do something in ourselves, do something in us that we cannot do for ourselves. Lord, that you would speak mightily into our lives, that we would walk away changed because we've encountered you. And so we pray these things with expectation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you ladies, and thank all of you for uh, entering into worship, and at this time I'd like to release the warrior youth. (laughs) Over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about the fruit from uh, the Holy Spirit versus the fruit from our sinful carnal nature, because this series is the gifts from the Holy Spirit, but I thought it was really, really vital that we understand the fruit and uh what what fruit is to recap from the last couple of weeks if you've missed any of these teachings i i encourage you to go online and and listen to them because i think it's really really uh, important that we understand where our struggles come from a lot of times it's from our own sinful nature and uh, i just want to recap some of the things that we talked about over the past couple of weeks the fruit from our sinful nature is sexual immorality impurity lustful pleasures idolatry sorcery hostility quarreling jealousy outburst of anger selfish ambition dissension division envy drunkenness wild parties and other sins like these and so when we begin to look at our life and we see those things we have a, a, a test as it were to know whether we're walking in the fruit of the spirit or the fruit of our fleshly carnal nature and i think when we begin to understand the uh the the the, the fruit or the results from our sinful nature if you think about these things they're really pretty repulsive and why would why would we want to walk in those things versus the fruit from our new nature when we get saved we're a new creation all those old things are gone and so we can begin to walk in the fruit of the spirit which is love joy peace patience kindness goodness Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and so when we contrast those two things, we see that it's much better to walk in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so again, it's not about us performing and, and saying, "Oh well, I, I I you know I have to try real hard not to walk in in the fruitfulness of my sinful nature." But as God begins to work in our life, He begins to transform us and change us. And so those those old desires and that old life, this old lifestyle. And those things begin to evaporate and, and uh, disappear from our lives. So it's important that we understand that we were born in sin. That there's a sinful nature within us when we were born due to the sin of Adam and Eve uh, disobeying God. And so it's not our fault that we were born in sin. It's not your fault that you were born in Corpus Christi, Texas. Or Houston. You know, you didn't have any say in that. And so consequently, we don't have any say that we were born with a sinful nature. But it's through the, the power of God working in our lives. It's only through Christ dying for our sins and us receiving the forgiveness and the new life that Christ came to give us through the blood of Christ that we can be forgiven and have the fruit from God's Spirit resident and present and active in our life. So it's really important that we understand this basic principle and truth that we can walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And that so, you know, I know people that struggle with, with all kinds of things and, and they feel guilty about those things. And, and they sometimes we can get caught up in this vortex because we think that, well, it's because I'm a bad person that I do these things and, and that, that I have these propensities for these different things. But when we understand that those may have been passed down from generation to generation, that sin entered into humanity, into the heart and the DNA of all mankind when Adam and Eve sinned, then that gives us a different perspective that, hey, wait a minute, it's not my fault. Now, listen, you don't have to stay like this, but it requires us to do something different. It requires us to receive Christ in our life so that, we, so that those chains are broken, so that we can walk in the freedom and the liberty that Christ came to give, and we can walk in the fullness of life. My first point this morning is spiritual fruit reflects our character. And again, we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. And, and this really could have been a whole entire series. I didn't really intend to stay here this long. But I felt like the Lord wanted us to really make sure that we get this before we move into the gifts from the Holy Spirit. Because when we talk about the fruit in our lives reflects our character, it has a direct impact on the giftings that God gives us and how we're able to move in the anointing and the power of those things, uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so our character is important. And so when we look in the spiritual mirror of our life, what fruit are we seeing? And if we're seeing fruit from our sinful nature, then we, we realize, hey, wait a minute, I need to, I need some help. God, you need to help me get past some of these things i need to press into walking in the fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and those things so my first point again is spiritual fruit reflects our character the fruit in our lives can also be viewed as our character which determines our actions and a few weeks ago when i started the series i talked about how that uh um, in james one it says when sin comes to fruition, it leads to death. It begins with our thoughts and what we're thinking. You know, when we're driving home from work, what are we thinking about? Are, are we thinking, I've had a rough day, I've got to stop and get a fifth of whiskey? And that's where it begins. And then we, we end up pulling into the liquor store. Where it? it begins here. And a, a scripture that we've talked about so many times, Romans twelve two be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is what? good and pleasing and perfect and so as we begin to come into alignment with god's word and we begin to understand basic things like our sinful nature is not our fault and we don't have to stay there we can press into god and he can begin to bring health and healing and wholeness to our lives and so as we begin to be transformed by the renewing of our minds as we begin to think about the things of God, as we begin to understand that above all creation, James 1.19, we're what? God's prized possession. As we begin to understand that Christ came to set us free, as we begin to be transformed by what we think about. In Philippians 4, uh, uh, verse 8, it says, Think on the things that are true, lovely, just, righteous, holy. What are we thinking about? Because the things that we're consumed with in our thoughts will oftentimes drive our lives. So are we focusing on God? Are we focusing on that relationship with him? Our life and lifestyle has a direct correlation to the power and the anointing in which the Lord will work through our lives. We constantly see patterns in the Bible where God works powerfully through those who submit and commit their lives to God and who are faithful to obey And we can look at at the pillars in the faith and we can see that they were men and women that were not perfect. They made mistakes, but they had a heart after God and and they were seeking God and they were seeking to obey God. And when we obey God, God will do amazing things through our lives. And we talked about the three characteristics that I think are really vital for us to have, people that are teachable, people that are humble, people that are obedient. And when not perfect, because none of us are perfect, but when God sees those characteristics in our life, He's like, "There's somebody that I can trust to pour into, and that I can gift, that I can give these powerful gifts, so that they can, uh, so that I can work through their lives to change the world." So we see where faithfulness and obedience. There's a direct correlation in the power of God moving through our lives. We also see patterns and and examples in the Bible where disobedience impedes or hinders ministry. Where people that, and maybe, and we've seen that, you know, probably all around us, where people that were powerful in the Lord have fallen into the traps of sin or whatever, and that God has removed the power and anointing from their life. They don't move in the same power and anointing. So our character is important, and not only in ministry, but in our everyday life. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 2 and Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. So if you want to begin to turn there or go there on your your mobile device. And we've talked about Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 a lot. And I'm going to talk a little bit about it this morning. To be clear, we're saved by grace through faith because I know that we live in such a performance-based society that we often get caught up in that, perform- that whole performance thing. And so we talk about this a lot, but I want to go to this scripture. It's in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It says, God saved you by his grace when you performed. Ha. God saved you by his grace through faith. God saved you, saved you when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. We're talking about the gifts from the Holy Spirit through the series. I think this is probably the premier, greatest gift that God has given us his son, Jesus. Amen. We're saved by grace through faith when we believe. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Our relationship with God has a powerful, life changing effect in our lives. Our relationship with God has a powerful impact in all of our relationships. As God begins to transform us and change the way that we think, and he begins to bring health and healing and wholeness to our lives, it changes, it changes us. It, changes, it begins to uh, change and impact our marriages, our, our relationship with our children, our boss, coworkers, our neighbors. Ephesians 2, 8 again, God saved you by his grace when you believed. It goes on to say, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Verse 9, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Our salvation is only by God's grace. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. It goes on to say, he goes on to write in, in verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. Wow. You know, this is another concept that we have to really get to walk in the fullness of life. I want you to tell your neighbor, turn to him and say, you are God's masterpiece. Tell him again. Come on, tell him again. You know what? I I, I see all of you smiling. When we get that concept, when we understand that God really loves us, there's a lot of people that that believe that God can love others but doesn't love them. And when we understand this, it changes our life. It changes the way that we see ourselves. Listen, if you had a Picasso or some masterpiece painting, it may be ugly. Okay, I've seen some of those masterpieces. Some of them are just ugly. You know, I mean, it's like, really? I think it's worth millions of dollars. It looked like a... a You know, a little kid painted that thing. But even so, if you had a masterpiece, you probably wouldn't put it up in your attic or throw it in the garage or, you know, park park the car over it to trap the oil that leaks out of the oil pan at night or whatever. You would take care of that. You would value that. And so when we understand that we are God's masterpiece, we are of great value to God. And also when we look at each other, we're like, wait a minute. You're, you're God's masterpiece too. And how am I going to treat God's masterpiece? I'm going to treat them with respect, honor. I'm going to take care of them. So we're called the body of Christ, and, and that's because we're connected together. And I love the culture and the heart and the DNA of Life Fellowship where you know so many of our first-time guests that come, they, they talk about the warmth, authenticity, of the friendliness of the people that are here. And that's because you guys are real. That's because you have a real relationship with the Lord. And you're just real people. And I love that. That we can just be who we are. But express that in love. and reaching out. And so when we understand that we are God's masterpiece. And the people around us are of great value. And a masterpiece of God as well. It changes the way. It should change the way that we treat one another. We are gracious toward one another ephesians two ten. for we are god's masterpiece he has created us anew in christ jesus when we accept christ we are created new all that old stuff is gone and it's a new day it's a fresh start for us and that's why it's so exciting to see new christians that come to the lord he has created us anew in christ jesus he goes on to write in verse 10, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has great plans for you. And when, when I think about the scripture, and when I read the scripture, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago, I don't think this necessarily just means helping an old lady across the street or paying it forward at the at the grocery store. I think this is much more than that. I think this the good things that God wants to do through our lives are... Uh, Do signs and wonders and miracles. That God, that we will be walking in the gifting and the power of the Holy Spirit, and He will be doing something in our lives and through our lives to not only change us, but to change the world around us. Those are the good things that God wants to do through our lives. Listen, God is not just giving gifts just so we'll have them, there's a specific purpose. And reason for that, now I'm getting ahead of myself, so let me just slow down a little bit. God has great plans for you. He has great plans for you. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Listen, if you don't believe me, believe his word, okay? And so God has a, a wonderful plan for all of our lives, and he wants you to, scu- to discover what that looks like. God wants you to, to discover what the giftings are that he's given to you. So that we can walk in those things, so that we can allow him to develop those giftings in our lives and fulfill the great calling that he has for us. So this morning I'm teaching on the gifts for the church. And I wanted to just lay the foundation that we're born in sin, but we don't have to stay there. It's not our fault. And that the fruit in our life is really the character of our life. The Holy Spirit gives each of us gifts. He also gives gifts to the church, the body of Christ. Okay, are you with me? He gives gifts to us individually, but he also gives gifts to the church. So my first point is spiritual fruit reflects our character. My second point this morning is spiritual gifts are one way the Lord equips us and reaches the world. The spiritual gifts that God gives us are one way that he equips us, and also it's a mechanism by which he reaches the world. And this is our core scripture for Life Fellowship. When the Lord called us to pioneer Life Fellowship, this was the passage of scripture that he gave us. So it's, uh, it's good. You know, this goes right along with this uh, teaching, but also it's a good reminder of our core scripture. Ephesians 4.11 says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to who? The church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. And so you may have heard in Christian circles, you may have heard somebody mention about the fivefold ministry. That's what this is referring to. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. That's where that whole phrase comes from. Cuz you know we have these certain phrases in in Christian circles, right, where we talk about different things and people that aren't in the church have no idea what we're talking about. But that's where this 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 term the fivefold ministry comes from. And uh the The word apostle comes from the Greek word apostoles, and it means a messenger. One sent out on a, men, a mission, an apostle. There are people that would say they are not apostles today. And say, oh, well, th- there were only 12 apostles. Those were the disciples and apostles of Christ. But I would not agree with that. Pastor Don, I'm hoping that Pastor Don will be able to come. Our pastor from Corpus Christi will be able to come down here. Uh, before too much longer and I would say that he is an apostle. He is a pastor over tens of thousands of pastors people uh, uh, Look to him for a spiritual leadership and guiding and guidance and he's a man of God That God uses in a miraculous way These are the gifts that Christ gave to the church the apostle prophet evangelist pastor and teacher so If uh, there's there's other people that say well there is not a prophecy given today that there aren't prophets. I would disagree with that because clearly here in Ephesians, it says, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. So if someone were to say, well, I don't believe that there are apostles anymore. I don't believe that there are prophets anymore. Well, I would say, well, are there pastors anymore? Are there teachers? Are there evangelists? God is not going to give gifts and take them away. And so if we don't understand or we don't see those gifts operating in our life or uh, in our church, uh, it's not God's fault. You know, we need to to understand that God wants to give those gifts to the church. And so he will give those gifts. And I believe that at some point in time, we will have all five of those, uh, those offices operating here at Life Fellowship. And because those are the gifts that Christ gives to the church, and so I want you to understand that those offices are in place today, because I know people Pastor Don that is is an apostle, he also operates in the gift of the prophetic. There have been times when uh, i've operated in the gift of prophetic, and a few months ago several weeks ago, I shared a word with you that the Lord had given to me for us personally for Christine and I personally but but it was also for some of us as a body and remember i had this printed out and i encourage you to take those with you so the prophetic is still happening today listen to even get even crazier there are people that believe that god doesn't heal today so what happens if someone in your family is sick do you just say well you know too bad you're going to die uh, i mean you know come on the word says the word to pray for the sick why would we pray if they can't be healed? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And so we need to understand the, full, the fullness of the Word of God in completeness and in correctness. So I believe that there are apostles. I believe that there are prophets. Because I've seen them, I've seen them in action. I've been to services where the prophetic is flowing And I know it's the Spirit of God because I have the Holy Spirit living in me and it's confirmed by what that Spirit is doing in me and saying to me. And so we know that those things are evident and resident and present. We are all called to go forth. In Matthew 28, Jesus, uh, some of his final instructions were to go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all that I've taught you. Know that I'm with you till the end of the age. And so we're all called to go out and share the gospel. And and uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're an apostle. I've heard people um, that I think were self-proclaimed apostles. I'm an apostle. Well, I don't know. There would be evidence. There would be evidence of that level of fruit, there would be that power in your life. Again, it's not performing, it's a gift. But our character has a direct correlation to the power and the anointing of God flowing through our lives. I remember going to a church with a a guy, he was kind of a homeless guy down in Corpus Christi, and he would always introduce himself as Apostle Allen. Hi, I'm Apostle Allen. I didn't see any fruit in his life. You know, and I don't know how he came up with that title for himself. Maybe at some point in time, somebody told him he he was an apostle. But he would say, always introduce, I'm Apostle Allen. And I thought, how sad that he probably doesn't realize that he's not walking in that gifting. Somebody needs to tell him differently. Somebody needs to help him understand what that would really look like in his life. And so there are people that are deceived and there are people that will place titles on themselves. Listen, God didn't give these gifts so that people could have a title, a plaque on their desk or a sign on their door. He, he gave these gifts for the church. Okay. Apostle. The second one is prophet. Prophets is, is how it's uh, pronounced. I think in the Greek, a prophet is a foreteller an inspired speaker By the leading of the Holy Spirit, a person that receives insight into future events. And uh, maybe God has spoken to you. Jesus said, he said, it's best that I go away, even though you don't understand it. He said, it's best that I go away so the Holy Spirit may come and lead you and guide you into all truth. He goes on to talk about the Holy Spirit and says, he will tell you about things to come. And so it's not weird or spooky. It's just the Holy Spirit begins to share with us as we yield our life to him and as we're open to receive. And so God has given me a lot of insight. The Holy Spirit has spoken to me about a lot of things. It began when, when he called us to Pioneer Life Fellowship. And so as we begin to avail ourselves to hear the Holy Spirit and receive what the Holy Spirit has for us, he will guide us and lead us into all truth. He will tell us about the things to come. And I know that there are businessmen who spend time with the Lord and the Lord will give them insight into business deals and, and say, no, don't, don't go down, don't, don't purchase that company or don't do this or do this or do that. God is not always speaking to me in a logical manner. In, in which I would I would uh, pursue necessarily, because sometimes the Lord will tell me something. And I'll be well, God, I, that you know I, I'd really rather do it this way, or I, God, I think this way is better. Right. And God says, No, no, do it this way. And then in hindsight, I'm like, Oh, okay, yeah, God, we 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 did the right thing here. You know, it wasn't me; it was just following the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit wants to guide us and lead us. And as, as we understand that there are true prophets, and uh, the word says to test the prophets, and, and uh, I don't just let anybody stand up and prophesy to you guys because I, 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 I want to know that their heart is right. I want to know that they're hearing from the Lord. And uh, I, I've shared this example with you before where uh, Pastor Robert Morris was at a service, and this man began to stand up and speak in tongues or prophesy or something, and Robert, uh, Pastor Robert looked at the ushers like, shut him down. So they went over and they told the man, sir, you you need to just sit down. After the service, the man came back and he was mad. He said, Pastor Robert, I'm a prophet. I had a word for the Lord. And he said, let me ask you a question. He said, am I your pastor? And he said, no, you're not. He said, you're not my prophet. He said, I have people that operate in the gift of prophecy. I trust them. I know them. I know their lifestyle. I know that they're hearing from the Lord. And I'm not going to let anybody just stand up and give a word of prophecy that I don't know. And so there's a protocol that needs to happen. There's a gatekeeper, the pastor of the church, that is responsible for the flock. And so I'm not going to let somebody get up and give you some poisoned alfalfa to eat. All right? So there is there is the gift of prophecy, but we need to understand... Well, let me say it this way, too. When we have the gift of prophecy, we have a responsibility. You know what they did to the prophets that were wrong in the Old Testament? If they prophesied something and they were wrong, they stoned them. And I'm not talking about smoking dope and drinking whiskey. I'm talking to kill them with rocks. So it's a serious thing. These, these gifts that the Lord gives, are they have a specific purpose, but also there's a great responsibility that's given. Um Again, I hope Pastor Don will come down soon. He has a prophetic gifting. Um, I've seen him read people's mail. I've seen him read my mail. Uh, you know there's no way except by the by the power of God that he could know these things. That's powerful, guys. It can change your life. I remember the first prophetic word that I received a long time ago, and this this uh, guy was a prophetic psalmist and and he called me out and he said, the Lord has called you to preach. And he said, I don't know, I'm getting 20 years on this, but the Lord has called you to preach, and you're going to know what it's like to jump off these, because he'd been talking about just jumping off into God, jumping off these Holy Ghost cliffs, is what he was saying. He says, You're going to know what it's like just to jump off. And you know what? It was almost, I think it was almost exactly 20 years to the date when I began to preach. And so the Lord began to prepare my heart. There were times I'd be running experiments in the lab and thinking about that word. And I'm like, God, you called me to preach, but I don't, you know, I just don't see it on the horizon. And so when God begins to speak to us, when God begins to prophesy to us, when God begins to pour into us in our quiet time, I've encouraged you guys, journal. Journal, write those things down because you will find encouragement in those things. Because it's the Lord speaking to you and often telling us about things to come. So prophecy is important, and you should never be fearful about receiving a word from the Lord. And, uh, you know, generally what I hear is is, is we're built up through prophecy. I, I've, I've never heard anybody been called out and say, well... You know, you're having an affair with uh, Betty Jo over there. You need to. You know, that's not the purpose of prophecy. The purpose of prophecy is to build us up and to build up the church. Now, I've seen corrective words given, and I've seen, and we even see in the Bible where it says, if you do this, this will happen. But prophecy is to build us up and encourage us, and it will change our life. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, euagulist. An evangelist, bringer of the good news. These are the guys, you've probably seen them. They blow into town, they blow into church, blazing guns, and they get everybody fired up. And then they leave town and the pastor's going, oh no, what do I do now? Because everybody's all fired up. And it's a good thing. There are people that are gifted to evangelize and go out. I mean, it's just so in them. It's not necessarily beating people up with a 10-pound Bible, but it's sharing the hope of Christ. It is so in them. They're so passionate about that that it just flows out of their life. That's a gift from God. And there are people that are evangelists, and, and you've probably seen them. Maybe, maybe you know somebody that operates in that gifting. It's a powerful gifting. Pastors. Poimane, a shepherd. A pastor is one who cares for the flock. The spiritual guide for the church and that's what this is talking about in in this particular passage in Ephesians 4 a pastor and uh, I've shared this with you guys before this is a, a poster that I have in my office and it's a great reminder for me of what my role is and I love this picture You see that little lamb, and and he's like really kind of possibly oblivious. He's like, hey, I'm not worried about it. I got the shepherd here. And you see those wolves, and and they're, they're looking. But they know that they must get past that shepherd. And, of course, we have the good shepherd, Jesus. But Jesus gives us under shepherds, pastors, to lead and feed and watch over the flock. And and so that's why people like Robert Morris would say, listen, I don't let anybody speak to my congregation because I want to make sure they're getting the word of God, the true, pure word of God, that it's not being filtered through a bunch of stuff. Imagine that you have a filter uh, or a funnel, rather, and and, you, and that funnel on the inside of it is coated with dirt and grime and stuff, and you're pouring water from that funnel into a jug that you're going to drink of out of. And so when we when we have people in those offices, we want to make sure that there's not any dirt and grime and stuff that's being poured on the people. And so I really respect that. It, as, as a pastor, it's my role to lead and feed the Congregation of Life Fellowship. There are a number of things that I have to do as well. However, as we continue to grow and God brings people, then I can begin to to delegate those things. And what I at some point in time I'll get to the point where my whole responsibility will be with my nose in the word of God, praying, seeking God for everything and and just concentrating on uh, leading and feeding. Right now, uh, you know, there are other things that have to be done but God is bringing the people. He's bringing the resources. In my opinion, a pastor's role is a calling that should consist of full dedication. It's it's not a job. It's a calling. It's much greater than a job. And it's a full-time commitment. I'm thankful that that I don't have to go work another job. I know that there are pastors that are bivocational. They go and work 40, 50 hours a week and then try to run a church. Man, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they could do it. And I'm so thankful that, that I don't have to do that. Because it's a lot of work. And there's a lot of pressure on pastors to... Uh, to do that, well, to do that with excellence, to follow the Lord. So I believe that, um, you know, and there probably are hirelings out there, that people that pastor churches just as a job. And man, that's the wrong reason to do it. it is, it's a calling, and uh, it requires that we really be sensitive to the Lord. When God called us to Pioneer Life Fellowship, I prayed. Christine and I prayed for like six months and fasted and prayed and sought the Lord diligently. Because I knew the requirements and I knew the responsibility. And the word says that one day I'll stand before God. I want to be accountable. I take that really seriously. So pray for me. <laughs> okay, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. An instructor, a master teacher, expounder, and teacher of Jewish law. And I do teach when I preach. However, when you see the dynamics of Pastor Christine on Wednesday night at Bible study, and you see the dynamics of what happens on Sunday morning through the preaching of the word, it's different. And I think that's a great example. So as you as you can uh, envision how Pastor Christine teaches and, and what it's like on Sunday morning, there's a different dynamic and there's a little bit of a different purpose there. So let's go back and read this again these are some of the gifts christ gave to the church now we we just talked about one of the most powerful gifts was christ i think he is the most powerful gift but uh, ephesians 4 11 through 13 now these are the gifts christ gave to the church the apostles the prophets the evangelists and the pastors and teachers their responsibility is to equip god's people to do his work and build up the church the body of christ that is why God has given these gifts to the church, to equip God's people to do his work to build up the church. It's, an, it's really important that we understand that these gifts are, have a specific pers- purpose and a specific responsibility. The primary responsibility of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher is to equip the entire church to do his, his work and build up the church. You are equipped and built up to help. To help me, to help the team leaders, to help everyone at Life Fellowship, and even beyond the walls of this church. Because we have great opportunity to bring others into the kingdom of God, to teach them about the things of God. Let's look at verse 12 again. Their responsibility, who is, whose responsibility? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue... Okay, it's it's an ongoing process. It will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. See, there's a purpose for it. That we grow up spiritually. Come on. You wouldn't expect a child just to, to can be 18 years old and, and sucking on a bottle. You want them to grow up. And so there, there are a lot of Christians that don't want to grow up. But the purpose of the five-fold ministry, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to help us grow up, to get healed. Does anybody need some healing in their emotions? Do you ever, Did you get emotional last week? Did you drive down I-45? You probably got emotional. <laughs> Come on. God wants to bring health and healing and wholeness to our lives so that we don't get so upset about those things. And that we will trust God even when we don't understand. Listen, there are times when I'm like, God, I don't understand this. But I trust you. And as we just navigate through life and as we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us, we get on the other side and we can look back and say, okay, now I understand. Now I understand. Or maybe we don't. But we still need to trust God and know that he is for us. Because Romans 12 2, be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So that we will learn to know God's will for us, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our, in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We are growing and maturing. And we talk about it in Life Fellowship here that this is a lifelong process, that God continues to work in our life. And so spiritual growth and maturity comes as we continue To allow the Holy Spirit greater access in our life. And frankly, as we go through things, as we go through trials and tribulations, those build us up. They build our faith as we have to trust God. While we're here talking about our core scripture, I want to talk about our values. Remember what those are for life fellowship? What are the values of life fellowship? You have to look at the screen. Love, prayer, obedience, humility. Teachability, unity and service very good. I see some of you looking at me I see some of you looking at the screen. That's okay. Just get it here. That's that's the important thing And so those are the values that that drive what we do So my first point this morning is spiritual fruit reflects our character We want to have the character of God. We want to have the fruit from the Holy Spirit resident in our lives Uh, Spiritual gifts are one way the Lord equips us and reaches the world Man, I'm telling you, when if someone gets healed from a, a malady or a disease or something, it's going to have an impact in their life. As the Lord begins to work through your life and you begin to prophesy and read somebody's mail by the power of the Holy Spirit, they're going to say, hey, there's something going on here. How did you know that? You've been talking to my wife. It's going to be the power of God working through our life. And it's always done in love. My third point is be teachable and become equipped to help equip others wow what a great opportunity we have is we're filled with the things of god then we benefit from that as we begin to walk in the power and the anointing of the holy spirit and then god uses us to touch a lost and dying world the gifts from the holy spirit are awesome and greatly needed and important the greatest gift is christ And we have the opportunity to receive that gift. Ephesians 2.8 God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. A gift is something that is given and can be received. Do you have the ability to reject the gift? Why would you reject the most wonderful gift and the gifts that God has for you? I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. You know, if someone were to want to give this gift bag to maybe a child, maybe that child would say, I don't want that gift bag. I I want a bicycle. And they would turn and reject that and walk away. And you may be thinking, well, you know what? Son or daughter, they're... There's more than a bicycle in here. There's there's a $50,000 check. You could buy 500 bicycles with that. God's gifts are for us and they're good. And let's not reject the things that the Lord has for us. Maybe this morning you're here and God is speaking to your heart. Maybe you had a relationship with him at one point in time, but you've walked away. Or maybe you've never had a relationship with him, but you know that, that God is... Tugging on your heart this morning to come back to him. If that's you, would just slip up your hand? I just want to pray with you. There's no shame in that. God loves you. And God wants to fill you with his great love and, and pour into your life, restore you back into relationship. Anybody here this morning? No shame in that. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your great love. I thank you for your gifts. And Lord, I pray that we would, have a uh, an understanding of how important those gifts are to the church and that uh, we would also understand the responsibility that goes along with those, those giftings and father that we would realize that of all creation we are your prized possession that we are your masterpiece and not only us sitting in churches today but but you love everybody and you don't want to see anybody die without you you don't want to see anybody living a life and not walking the power and the authority and the freedom and the liberty that Christ came to give so father I pray this morning that you would continue to to download into our hearts and pour into us God I I, father I know it, it just it must break your heart when people reject Christ the gift of Christ because that's the key to our life health and healing and wholeness and victory so father i I pray that you would give us a greater passion and desire to reach out to those who don't know you so that they can live the kind of life that you're calling us to father i thank you pray that you continue to pour into us in a powerful way in jesus name Jesus came to fix our broken lives man that's good news as you go out this week realize there are people with broken lives all around you and you have the hope of Christ will you share the hope of Christ with them will you love them will you encourage them will you strengthen them will you build them up I hope you'll join us on Wednesday for Bible study and look forward to seeing you next Sunday thank you for joining us you're dismissed go out and live it it